بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين Alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah, we continue once again with the fiqh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's most beautiful names as, is, as explained by Sheikh Abdul Razak al-Badr hafizahullahu ta'ala. We move on immediately to the next few names that the Sheikh has mentioned, which is Ash-Shafi. The next name that the Sheikh mentions in his book is Ash-Shafi. Ash-Shafi is a sheen, alif, fa, and ya. Shafi. Ash-Shafi means the one who cures, the one who gives shifa, the one who heals or the one who cures. And this name is a name which is established in the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa in a hadith in Bukhari and Muslim which is narrated by Aisha radiallahu anha that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa when he uh, did ruqyah or when he sought a cure, what was the dua that he used to recite? He used to put his hand, his right hand, on the person of his family who was sick. And he would recite the following dua. Allahumma rabban nas adhibil ba'as washfihi wa anta shafi la shifa'a illa shifa'uk shifa'an la yughadiru saquma. It's a well-known dua, walhamdulillah, that many of us do know. Alhamdulillah, it's upon us to understand the dua and to implement the dua when any of us are sick <coughs> or... If one of our family members are sick, we can then recite this dua upon them. Allahumma, oh ya Allah, Rabban Nas, the Lord of humankind, adhibil ba's, do away with this sickness, with the disease. Washfihi wa anta shafi. Some narration says ishfihi, right? Washfihi means and cure him. Wa anta shafi, and you are a shafi. Here's the proof that this is the name of Allah, and you are. Ash-Shafi, you are the curer, or you are the one who cures. La shifa'a illa shifa'uk. There is no shifa' except for your shifa'. Shifa'an la yughadiru saquma. Shifa'an, meaning a cure. This is what you are asking Allah for. Cure him as you are the curer. There is no shifa' except your, your, your shifa'. A cure. La yughadiru saquma, which leaves behind no sickness, which leaves behind no trace of the illness or of the disease. This is the type of cure that you are asking Allah for um, in this dua. So, um, sometimes he would put his hand on the person and then recite like this over the person. In, in another narration, it says that he used to uh, do this as a ruqya, right? He used to do this, the wording is of a, as a ruqya. And we know what's a ruqya. A ruqya is an incantation, it's a, it's a supplication that we recite Seeking a cure, seeking a cure. In another hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari, Abdul Aziz ibn Suhaib, he says that we entered upon, or myself and Thabit, we entered upon Anas ibn Malik, the famous companion who was the servant of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Thabit said, Ya Abu Hamza, Abu Hamza was Anas, ishtakait, which means I'm not feeling well. And Anas said, should I not recite over you? Do a ruqya over you, which was the ruqya of the Messenger of Allah. And he said, Bala, 
Indeed, you should please do this. And he recited, Anas then recited, Allahumma rabban nas, mudhibil ba's. Ishfi anta shafi, la shafi, illa ant shifa'an la yugadiru, saquma. Similar to the first one, but slightly different. Allahumma rabban nas, again the same, O Allah, the Lord of humankind, mudhibil ba's is now used. The one who does away with sickness, the one who does away with the, the illness or the disease, as opposed to adhibil ba's, which means, Oh Allah, do away with the, uh, the sickness. Now you are saying, Ya Allah, you are the one who does away with the sickness. Ishfi anta shafi. Cure him, for you are a shafi, the one who cures. La shafi illa anta. There is no cure except you. The other version said, La shifa'a illa shifa'uk. There is no shifa, there is no cure except your cure. This one says, there is no shafi. There is no one that can cure except you. Shifa and la yughadiru saquma. Again, a cure that leaves behind um, no traces or no none of the sickness, basically. So, what is the meaning of Ashafi? This name of Allah, Ashafi. What does it mean? Alladhi minhu shifa. The one, yani Ashafi is the one from whom shifa comes. The one from whom shifa comes. Cure and any type of healing. It can only come from Ashafi, who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Shifa al-sudur, mean shabah Even when we speak about shifa, we firstly speak about the shifa of the hearts, from doubts and misconceptions and hasad and envy and, and hatred and so forth, from the sicknesses and the diseases of the hearts. This also applies to who? To Ashafi. We need to pure, purify our hearts and cure our hearts from sickness and disease and and hardness and so forth, and from sin. And there is no one that can cure our hearts except for Ashafi, who is Allah, the one who cures. And likewise, the one who cures not only the hearts, but Al Abdan, our bodies as well. Right? Min al Asqami wal Afat, from all types of illness and disease and sickness and so forth. And they. Nobody can do this except Him. Nobody can cure us. From anything, no matter how simple the, the disease or how simple the sickness, there's nobody who can cure us, who has the ability to cure us or to give us a treatment that will work except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or except by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَلَا شِفَاءَ إِلَّا شِفَاءُهُ There is no shifa except for his shifa. وَلَا شَافِيَ إِلَّا هُوَ And there is no cure except for him. This is the meaning of the name Ashafi. As Ibrahim al-Khalil, Nabi Ibrahim, Khalilullah alayhi salam, he said, as is mentioned in the Quran, in Surah Al-Shu'ara, verse number 80, وَإِذَا مَرِضْتُ فَهُوَ يَشْفِينَ And when I become sick, it is him or it is he that cures me. It is he that cures me. When I become sick, it is he, meaning referring to Allah, it is he that um, cures me. Meaning, it's him alone. There is nobody that can give me shifa. But him, he has no partner in, in this. And that's why it's, a, of course, a, an ob obligation upon us, upon every believer, to believe this with a firm conviction, with firm conviction, conviction that there is no shafi except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is as the hadith says, La shafi illa ant. There is no cure except for you, O Allah. So Shah Abdul Razak, he says, and this is why it's from the best of means and the best of ways that we get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we seek a shifa 
and when it's whether it's from any type of sickness or, 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 or disease that we do tawassul to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by his oneness by mentioning his oneness in rububiyyah in the lordship of Allah that shifa is in his hand alone that he is the, the lord of, of, of cure so when we seek a shifa we should praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tawassul is you know we get a close a means of having our dua accepted a means to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so when we seek this cure we should do tawassul through the rububiyyah of Allah through the greatness of Allah and that we acknowledge this point when we speak to Allah, Ya Allah, none can cure me but you. Ya Allah, you are the curer. There is no curer but you. This is how we should be speaking to Allah and addressing Allah. As the, the beautiful prophetic narration mentions, the same. This is something that we should do. Because everything is in His hands at the end of the day. Nothing can happen except if He allows it to happen. And anything will happen if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants it to happen. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. There is no change of circumstance, there is no power except with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this we see in the hadith, Allahumma Rabban Nas. Oh Allah, you are the Lord of Nas, of humankind. This is tawassul. This is us seeking a means to having our dua being accepted by praising Allah in this way. Calling unto him Rabban Nas. Ya Allah, you are the Lord of all of insan, of all of humankind. Adhibil ba's. Do away with the Rabban Nas Adhibil ba's. Do away with this disease, with the hardship, with the, the sickness, this illness. And in the different narration we mentioned was the second one of Anas was Mudhibil ba's. Allahumma Rabban Nas Mudhibil ba's. Oh Allah, the Lord of humankind, the one who does away with the sickness, the one who removes the the disease and here we are now addressing Allah directly to acknowledge this fact that there is that you are the only one who can do this and in this is a praise you are now praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your dua and this is one of the ways and the means to having your dua being accepted give him shifa cure him because you are a shafi you are the one who the one who cures <coughs> And again, this is now tawassul through this name of Allah, Ashafi, right? This is one of the, the main goals that we study the names of Allah is that we can call upon Him by His different names, by His various names. Husna, To Allah belongs the most beautiful of names. So worship Him through those names. Worship Him via those names. Call upon Him through those names. Yeah, you are now calling upon Allah. Through this name, Ashafi. This is again one of the ways that we have our dua being accepted. Making your dua mustajab is you call upon Allah with His names, appropriate names for the appropriate dua that you are calling upon Allah and seeking from Allah, seeking from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Anta Shafi. Cure him because you are Ashafi. Allah loves that you worship Him through His names, that you call upon Him with these names. La shifaa illa shifauk. Again, emphasizing this fact that there is no shifa except your shifa. This is an emphasis, you know. The hadith is basically repeating this or, or emphasizing this to us. That there is no shifa except yours. This should be instilled within the heart of the believer. Firmly with, with, with complete conviction that there is no shifa except the shifa of, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No treatment, no medication, no doctor. 
can possibly help us except if Ashafi allows it to happen. If, except if Ashafi decides that he, that 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 treatment will work. If the the shifa will come, because ultimately the shifa comes from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala alone. Shifa and na This is the type of shifa that we are seeking. The type of shifa we are seeking is shifa and la yuhadiru saqma. A type of shifa which is which leaves no marad, no sickness behind, no disease behind. Yani cure him completely or cure me completely. When you're asking for shifa and la yuhadiru saqma, it means with a perfect cure, basically, that, that leaves behind no traces, no effect of the sickness. So that is that dua, which is a, a easy dua to memorize, and I think it's a dua that each and every Muslim should learn. And when you become sick, no matter how slight or how serious, it's a dua that we should be repeating all the time, and even for our families, and even for whosoever gets sick, we can make this dua for them. Alhamdulillah. Another example we find in Sahih Muslim from Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu anhu that Jibreel alayhi salam he came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he said, Ya Muhammad, ishtakayt. Oh Muhammad, have you become sick? Is there something wrong? And he said, Naam. He said, Yes. And Jibreel then said, Bismillahi arqiq min kulli shay'in yu'dhik. And this is another dua that we can use and recite when somebody becomes sick, when we become sick that we can recite this dua upon ourselves or upon others when they become sick. As Jibreel did upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, Bismillah in the name of Allah, Arqiq. Arqiq, literally, what does it mean? It means, I am performing ruqya upon you. I am reciting something upon you, incantations. This is an incantation I am reciting upon you to seek shifa, to seek a cure. Min kulli shay'in yu'dhik. Arqiqa, I am reciting over you uh, against all that which is harming you, all that which is causing you this difficulty. Min hasidin. From the evil of every person or soul and the evil of every aynin hasidin, evil eye or the envious eye. Allahu yashfiq. May Allah cure you. He says, Bismillahi arqiq. In the name of Allah, I recite this ruqya over you. This is what Jibreel did upon the Prophet ﷺ when the Prophet ﷺ was not feeling well. So this is something that we should learn again, try our best, and try to implement these du'as. Bismillahi awqika, min kulli shayin yu'dhika, min sharri kulli nasin aw aynin hasidin, Allahu yashfiq, bismillahi awqik. That's a, another du'a that we have mentioned, alhamdulillah. So the Sheikh then says that these du'as, and the belief of the, of the slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his iman, that Allah is ash-shafi alone, and that ash-shifa is in the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. This, he says, does not prevent us from going out and seeking beneficial means of treatment and seeking some type of help from a doctor, for example, and advice and seeking some type of medication that will benefit us. The belief that Allah is a shafi, and for example, the du'as that we mentioned that emphasize that shifa only comes from Allah, this is the asl. This is the first step. Understand? But this does not prevent us from going out 
and finding a cure or seeking a cure or going to the doctor and say, look, this is my, my issue. What do I do? What's the, what's the pro-? And the doctor, of course, follows his um, procedures and so forth. But this does not mean that seeking a cure is haram or seeking a cure, a cure is against tawakkul. Right? This is not the meaning of tawakkul uh, and so forth. In fact, we have many hadith from the Prophet ﷺ on this issue where he sought a cure and where he advised others to seek a cure. So for example, the Prophet ﷺ said in a hadith in Sahih Muslim, For every disease there is a cure. For every illness there is a, a treatment. فَإِذَا أُصِيبَ دَوَاءُ الدَّاءُ بَرَأَ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلُ And then he said that when the remedy is applied to the disease, when the correct remedy is applied to this disease, or to whatever disease it is, بَرَأَ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ It will be cured by the will of Allah. So this proves that there is a remedy that we need to find. And it has to be the correct remedy that we apply to the appropriate sickness. If it's applied, it will be cured by the will of Allah. In another hadith, in Bukhari, the Prophet said, مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ مِنْ دَائِنْ إِلَّا أَنزَلَ لَهُ شِفَاءً Allah does not send any sickness except that He sends for it a shifa, except that He sends for it a, a cure. In another hadith, uh, the Prophet was asked by a Bedouin, أَنَتَدَاوَى Should we seek a cure? Should we seek a treatment? <coughs> Sorry. And he said, Naam, yes, you should. Ya ibad Allah, tadawu. O slaves of Allah, go and seek a treatment. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَمْ يَضَعْ دَاءً إِلَّا وَضَعَ لَهُ شِفَاءً غَيْرَ دَاءٍ وَاحِدٍ He said, because indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not sent a disease or a illness except that he put for it a shifa, except for one illness. And they said, what is this illness? And he said, Al-Haram, which is old age. You cannot cure yourself from old age. Wafi lafzin in another version, it says, Inna Allah lam yanzil da'an illa anzalahu shifa'an. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not send a sickness except that he sends for it a cure. Alimahu man alimahu. Whomsoever knows it, knows it. And whomsoever doesn't know it, jahilahu. Then he's ignorant of it. Yani, the cure is there. Whomsoever knows the cure, alhamdulillah, they know the cure. Whoever does not know the cure, then they don't know the cure. But the cure is there. That's what this hadith is basically proving. Hence, we need to go and find the cure. We need to go and search for the cure. And of course, this is why we have doctors and scientists and so forth. Um, alhamdulillah. So these hadith, what do they prove? What do they, what do they show us? They prove that there is asbab that we need to find. There is the means that we need to go out and seek. And that is... Find a treatment. If you are sick, there is no harm in finding a treatment. وَلَا يُنَافِي وَأَنَّهُ لَا يُنَافِي أَتَّوَكُّلُ عَلَى اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلُ And this does not negate your tawakkul in Allah. This does not negate your tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the real tawakkul, حقيقة التوكل, true tawakkul in Allah is when you put your firm trust and faith in, your heart is firm in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Whatever happens can only happen by the will of Allah. Any goodness that will reach me will reach me because of Allah. And any evil that will be kept away from me or 
will be kept away from me by the will of Allah. So this is true tawakkul, that we put our trust in Allah, believing that any harm that comes to me is only after the will of Allah, and any goodness that is acquired by me, or shifa that, is, that reaches me, it will only reach me by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But with this belief, we have to go out and seek and find a cure. We have to go out. Um, just like hunger and thirst is taken care by Allah, yes. But that doesn't mean we don't eat and drink and go and purchase something to eat or to find something to eat or find something to drink and so forth. We have to, to fulfill our side of things as well. The same with security and safety. You have to take the means to securing your car, your home, yourself, and the rest you leave to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, we put our trust in Allah first and then we do our bit. We, do, we play our role, our part, which is, if it's security, lock the doors, put in burglar bars, and so forth. If it's rizq, we get a job, we work, but yet we believe firmly that it comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, وَلِكُلِّ دَائِنْ دَوَاءٍ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, he said, for every illness there is a cure. This, the Sheikh says, is this gives the person, the sick person, as well as the doctor, it gives them strength. Why? If a person is suffering, he knows there's a cure. I just need to find the cure. If the doctor cannot find a treatment, he should never give up. Why? Rasulullah said, for every illness there's a cure. It just means we need to work harder. We need to research. We need to do checks and tests. Taftish, you know, do a check. The Sheikh says, test things, try, do trials. You know, and that's what's happening in the world, alhamdulillah. Um, and that's what's required, that we have proper people who are doing this, who are qualified and who are sincere, and that have the people's best interest at heart. Right, that they sincerely want to find a cure, and it's not necessarily a money-making scheme, and so forth. Wallahu musta'an. But aslan, this is how it should work. That we need to have the proper people in place to find the correct cures, and because the cure is out there, it just needs to be discovered for every sickness, as the hadith says. Um, and this is from the Sunnah of the Prophet And for many things we find within the Sunnah, cures that are mentioned, prophetic teachings, prophetic. Um, uh, Tib al-Nabawi, you know, prophetic medication and so forth. Like Ibn al-Qayyim has a book, Tib al-Nabawi, which is translated into English. Also in his book, Zadul Ma'ad, he has many uh, advices and so forth on this issue of seeking a cure. So today, again, we are obviously faced with this coronavirus and so forth, and there's no cure that we know of, but the cure is definitely out there um, as per this hadith. As per this hadith. And if ever anybody is afflicted, with anything, This should be his belief. That if I become sick, if something befalls me, if whatever disease, whatever illness, whatever virus, It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who cures me. لا شفاء إلا شفاءه. There is no shifa except for his shifa. There is no shafi except for him. There is no cure except for him. So, many a times, I think it was Shaykh al-Islam rahimahullah who said that people are afflicted with different types of <coughs> illnesses and diseases, but yet they are cured without seeking a treatment. 
because of a ruqya or because of a sincere dua. Ibn Taymiyyah said this. And this means that, yes, as we said, we, if there's a need to find a cure, you find your cure. But the first thing we should do is we should turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we become sick, we don't contact the doctor first and foremost. The first thing we do is we make dua. Ya Allah, the Sawfil, remove the mudhibil ba's. You are the one who removes the sickness. Remove the sickness from me. No one can remove it but you. No one can give me cure but you. Speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the cure first and foremost. Put your trust in Him that He will give you shifa. But the next step would then be to go and ask the doctors and find out. Because if it is something serious, if there is a need to have a check, if there is a need to um, seek proper treatment, then you have to fulfill that as well. This is also an amana that we take. Because our bodies are an amana from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the approach of the believer. We firstly return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we beg him for shifa, and we believe shifa only comes from him. And if there's a need to go and seek shifa from those who are more knowledgeable, like the doctors, then that's what we go and do. And we follow their advice and so forth to preserve our health and to seek a better health. Walhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. The next name of Allah Azza wa Jal that Sheikh Abdul Razak mentions is his name Al-Jameel. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's beautiful name Al-Jameel which means the most beautiful. Al-Jameel is Allah as the most beautiful. This name is also once again found in the Sunnah. Yani when we say it's found in the Sunnah we mean it's not found in the Quran necessarily. Rather it's found in a hadith, authentic hadith in Sahih Muslim. Narrated from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. That the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said لَا يَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةِ مَنْ كَانَ فِي قَلْبِهِ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ مِنْ كِبْرٍ No person will enter Jannah who has within his heart an ant's weight of kibir. A small ant's weight of kibir. So a man said, Ya Rasulullah, إِنَّ الرَّجُلَ يُحِبُّ أَنْ يَكُونَ ثَوْبُهُ حُسْنًا وَنَعْلُهُ حُسْنًا he said, indeed a man, a person in general, he loves that his thawb, his clothing, is beautiful. It's nice, it's good quality, it's something good, beautiful. وَنَعْلُهُ حُسْنًا And that his shoes or his sandals and his, his, his uh, sandals or shoes is beautiful. And the Prophet ﷺ responded to the statement and he said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ جَمِيلٌ يُحِبُّ الْجَمَالِ Indeed, Allah is beautiful and He loves beauty. He loves that which is beautiful. Indeed, Allah is beautiful and He loves that which is beautiful. Al-kibru batarul haq wa ghamtun nas. And He said, kibr, arrogance is to reject the truth and to belittle others, to belittle people, to uh, think you are better than others. Uh, this is kibir. This is arrogance. What 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 was meant in the hadith? It's not about wearing beautiful clothing. It's not about wearing nice shoes or having something um, quality and so forth. This is not a problem, as long as you know a person is not wearing it out of arrogance, or a person is not being extravagant and so forth. Then it's permissible, because indeed Allah is beautiful. And he loves that which is beautiful. And this is a beautiful hadith. It gives clarity to a lot of people, alhamdulillah. But what is kibr? Batarul haq. When the truth comes to you and you reject the truth. 
Allah said in the Quran and we reject it. The Nabi Sallallahu said in the Hadith and <coughs> we reject it. We prefer our own teachings. We prefer somebody else's opinion. We prefer something which is more according to our nafs and our desires. As this is actually kibr. This is kibr. nas and when you belittle others, you mock others, you belittle them. This is kibr, right? So that is a hadith in Sahih Muslim, as we said. And this name of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala proves that al Jamalullah, all of beauty and perfect beauty belongs to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Fi asmaihi in his names, wa sifatihi in his attributes, wa fi in his essence, wa afalihi and in his actions. As Allama Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah said, that the beauty of Allah is of four types. The beauty of his essence. That everything about Allah's makeup and who he is, is beautiful. His attributes, Jamalul Sifat, are completely beautiful. His names are completely beautiful. Jamalul Asma' wa Jamalul Af'al. And his actions, whatever Allah does, is beautiful. All of his names are husna, وصفاته, كلها صفات كمال. all of his attributes are attributes of perfection. And his actions are all actions which are actions of hikmah and maslaha and adl and rahmah, full of wisdom and benefit and, and justice and mercy. As for his essence, Ibn al-Qayyim says, يعني the makeup of Allah, فأمرن, he says it's something that no person can perceive. And no other person besides Allah knows about his essence. Nobody knows the, rea- the reality of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is and looks and is made up and, and how he's made up. No from nobody from creation knows anything about Allah except that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informed them. What do we know about Allah Azza wa Jal? We cannot conceive Allah or perceive the realities of Allah. How is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? But what do we know about Allah? What Allah mentioned in the Quran to us and what the Prophet mentioned in authentic hadith to us. That's what we know about Allah. This is how we know his names and attributes. And this is how we know who he is, his af'al, his actions. So nobody from creation knows anything about Allah except for those whom Allah has honored, Ibn al-Qaim says, from amongst his slaves with some type of knowledge. Yani, it's an honor that Allah honors us with when we get to learn about him, when we get to study him, when we get to understand who he is, we get a better idea of who he is, Jalla Jalaluhu. He says, indeed, that beauty is guarded from others. I mean, nobody else knows it. Mahjubun, it's covered. It's, it's a hijab, it's a barrier. With his rida and izar, with his lower and upper garment. And the reason he uses these two words is because it comes in a hadith where the Prophet said, Al-Kibriya, he narrates from Allah that Allah said, Al-Kibriya uridai wal-azamatu izari. And we mentioned this hadith previously. Al-Kibriya is Allah's grandeur, he says, is my rida, which is your, your upper garment. And wal-azama and my greatness is my, my lower garment. So this is, Ibn al-Qayyim says, Allah is covered up with those two garments of grandeur and greatness, is that is covered with us. You cannot see it. Nobody can see it. Nobody can understand it. Nobody can perceive it. Whatever beauty you can possibly think of, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's beauty is far, far greater than that and is covered up by this adama and kibriya, by that greatness and that grandeur. The Sheikh then says that the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and knowing Allah as jamal or jameel with beauty is from the most honorable of all types of knowledge and from the greatest of it in terms of status. And he said indeed the best of people are those who know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with his perfection and through his beauty and his grandeur and his majesty. There's nothing like unto him in his sifat, in his attributes. And the Sheikh says that if all of creation came together and they gathered, you know, in the most beautiful of, of forms, and this, whatever the most beautiful thing is they could possibly come together with, and they compared this to the beauty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this would be, it would be nothing in comparison to, in comparison to Allah. It would be like a small little lamp that's weak compared to the, the bright sun at its peak. And he says, he narrates from Ibn al-Qayyim, that Ibn al-Qayyim said, that it's sufficient that when we think of the jamal of Allah, that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was to remove his hijab, the, the, the hijab that's the barrier between us and him. And we mentioned this hadith when we spoke about the name An-Nur. That Allah's hijab is nur. This hadith says this. Allah's hijab is nur. And if he was to remove this hijab, then all of creation, as far as the eye can see, would be consumed by this nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the beauty of Allah. It's so radiant, it's so bright, it's so illuminated. If this hijab was removed between us and Allah, everything would be overtaken and overcome by the nur and the beauty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibn al-Qayyim then says, it's sufficient when we speak about the, the, the beauty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that every beauty, anything that's beautiful in this dunya, no matter whether it's something <coughs> apparent, like something created, or something that's hidden. That's within the soul. It's also created, but something that we don't see. Whether it's in the dunya or the akhirah. So if you think of the dunya, you think of any beautiful sight. You think of the, the akhirah, subhanallah, jannah, endless beauty. He says, all of this beauty, where does it come from? From the effects of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation. Allah created that beauty. It's only from the Sunnah Allah, that creation Allah of Allah which He perfected. Subhanallah. So when you see something beautiful, we should also realize that it only comes from Al Jamal, or Al Jamil, sorry. Al Jamil. It comes from the most beautiful. It's an effect of His creation, not even Him Himself. If this is beautiful, imagine Jannah. If that is beautiful, imagine Allah Azza wa Jal. Imagine Allah Azza wa Jal subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibn al-Qayyim says it's sufficient when we speak about his beauty that all izzah and all which means honor and strength and power and generosity and goodness to others and ihsan and knowledge and grace, it all belongs to him. All of these amazing attributes and beautiful things and goodness that we see, ultimately it comes from, it all belongs to Allah Azza wa Jal. And he says it's by the nur of his face that all of darkness will be overcome, will be lit up. Because he is nur samawat, Allahu nur samawat wal ard, the light of the heavens and the earth. 
when the qada happens, this earth will be lit up by the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is just trying to touch on some of the beauties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inna Allah jameelun, indeed Allah is beauty. The hadith says, yuhibbul jamal. The Shaykh Abdul Razak then explains and he says, <coughs> this hadith, this wording here, it includes two great principles. This part of the hadith. Indeed Allah is beauty, beautiful, and he loves that which is beautiful. It includes two great principles, the Sheikh says. The first is ma'rifah. The first principle that we get from this is what? Ma'rifah, it's knowledge. And the second one is suluk. So firstly, what happens? We need to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is jameel. We need to understand that he is the most beautiful. That he is described with jamal, complete beauty, which has no comparison. This beauty of Allah cannot be compared to anything. And because of this knowledge, what does this lead to? What effect does this have upon us? It brings about beauty within us. That we also worship Him with Jamal. That we worship Him in a beautiful way. That we be beautiful slaves of His in a beautiful way. That Allah loves. So we speak words of beauty. In a beautiful manner. In a beautiful way. Which Allah loves. Wal-a'mal, wal-akhlaq. We do deeds and actions and, and, and things which are good. We, 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 we portray the best of akhlaq. We beautify ourselves with the best of manners. Uh, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. And this is the best of all beauty. Because indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He loves from His slave that He beautifies His tongue with truthfulness. And His heart with ikhlas and love and, and tawbah. And inaba, she's turning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and tawakkul. And that he beautifies his limbs with ta'a, with obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And his body with showing the various bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon him. In his clothing, in his cleanliness and so forth. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves of beauty. So Allah azza wa jal he is beautiful and he loves that which is beautiful. So this is the two principles. Knowledge, that we should know Allah Azza wa Jal as this beauty and we should then follow that up with action. With, whether it's our speech, whether it's our physical actions of the limbs or whether it's whatever is going through our heart, our belief that's found in our heart, our tawakkul, our love for Allah Azza wa Jal and love for that which is good that, and, and our hate for that which is haram. This is part of beauty that Allah Azza wa Jal loves, beauty of the heart. And Allah loves to see this beauty upon us. And this is what we should be striving for, to not just acknowledge Allah's beauty, beautiful, but to also try to beautify ourselves with the proper um, akhlaq and proper a'mal and proper speech and so forth. In a hadith, in a tirmidhi <coughs> and others, the Prophet said, Inna Allah yuhibbu an yura athara ni'matahu ala abdihi. Indeed, Allah loves to see the effect of his favors upon his slaves. When Allah blesses us with something, he loves that to see the effects of that blessing upon us. And in another hadith, from Abu al-Ahwas al-Jashami, an abihi from his father, he said, Kuntu jalisan inda Rasulullah, I was sitting with the Prophet Fara'ani 
Ratha Thiyab. And he saw me with a old worn out thobe. Clothing that was worn out and tattered and you know shabby. And he said, Alaka man. He said to this man, do you have money? Do you have some wealth? And he said, Naam. I said, yes. The man said, yes, Ya Rasulullah, I have. Min kulli mal. And the Prophet said, فَإِذَا أَتَاكَ اللَّهُ مَالًا فَلْيُرَى أَثَرَهُ عَلَيْكَ When Allah gives you and He brings you some wealth and money, then He wants to see the athar, the effects of that upon you. Subhanallah. Yani, <coughs> don't hold the money away. Don't be someone who's a miser. If you have some money and you're able to beautify yourself, then beautify yourself. With, you know, to a, to a good state and level, not extravagant. And at the same time, don't wear old, worn out, shabby clothing where you look untidy or you look, um, you know, in such a way that your clothing doesn't look clean and so forth. This is not becoming of the believer. If Allah has given you sufficient and enough, and He loves to see what He has given you upon you. This is the principle that these two ahadith that we mentioned is teaching us. Subhanallah, because He loves beauty. So we should beautify ourselves as we said from within, from the heart, from our speech, from our actions, but also physically. If you can wear something beautiful, then do that. If you can wear nice shoes, then do that. If you can wear nice thobe uh, or clothing, then do that. As long as it's not extravagant and as long as it's not haram. Right? It's not bought with haram wealth. It's not clothing that's haram, for example. Silk for men or gold jewelry for men or for the woman, it's not covering our aura, or um, it's not libasu shuhra, clothing that, that makes you stand out, that makes you look odd, you know, or strange. This is not permissible. But otherwise, as long as it's something good and clean and neat, inshallah, there's khair in that. And Allah loves to see this upon us. So the believer should never be someone who's, uh, you know, shabby, wearing worn out oak. If he has, he should spend upon himself. And Allah loves to see the effects of his wealth upon that person, the effects of his favors upon that person. Uh, As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in the Quran, Surah Al-A'raf, verse 26, Ya Bani Adama, qad anzalna alaykum libasa yuwari sawatikum arisha wa libasu taqwa thalika khair. O sons of Adam, indeed, qad anzalna alaykum libasan. We have bestowed upon you clothing. Yuwari sawatikum arisha to conceal your private parts and as a beautiful as an adornment or beautification but the clothing of righteousness that is the best well as mentioned in the quran that he's given us clothing for a reason to conceal ourselves to cover ourselves and also as an adornment and also as an adornment um, regarding the people of jannah in Surah Al-Insan, Allah says in verse 11 and 12, That they will be given nadra, which is a, a shiny or radiance, وَسُرُورًا and happiness. And they will be rewarded for their patience that they endured in the dunya. Jannatan, with a garden, a paradise, وحريرة, and with silk. What does this hadith prove? Or this ayat? Uh, Abdul Razak says that they will be beautified. Their faces will be beautified with nadra, with radiance. And they will also be beautified, their 
internal happiness, sururan. They will be full of happiness and joy and pleasure. And their bodies will be beautified with silk. So, with hariran, with, with silk. So they will be beautified when they enter Jannah. Because this is what Allah Azza wa Jal, what He loves. Um, <coughs> this, along with the best of all favors for the people of Jannah, and the greatest na'im, the greatest delight, is when they get to see the, 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 the ilah, the rabb, and the mawla, al-jameel, the most beautiful. Right? Um, the hadith in Muslim says, when the people of Jannah enter Jannah, Allah will say to them, تُرِيدُونَ شَيْئًا أَزِيدُكُمْ Do you want something that I can, is there, is there something I can give you that's extra? Do you want something more that I can give you? And they will say, أَلَمْ تُبَيِّضْ وُجُوهَنَا Have you not beautified and uh, whitened our faces? Given us this radiance that we spoke about. Alam Ya Allah, did you not enter us into paradise? And did you not save us from the fire? Meaning, what more can you give us, Ya Rabb? And Allah will say, or oh, the hadith says, Fayakshiful hijab. That hijab will then be opened and will be lifted and removed. And they will not be given anything more beloved to them than another ila rabbihim than <coughs> that glance and that opportunity to look at their Lord. Because that's when they experience that real complete beauty. Al-Jameel they will see in his true form. Wallahu musta'an. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us this ultimate yaqeen or ultimate pleasure that the people of Jannah will experience and to not make us of those who are denied this pleasure. Amin Rabbil Alameen. We take two more names, Bidnillah. The next two names is Al-Qabid and Al-Basit. Al-Qabid and Al-Basit. Qaf Alif Ba Dad. Qabid and Al-Basit Ba Alif Sin Ta. Basit. Qabid means the one who withholds. The one who withholds. And Al-Basit, the opposite means the one who gives. One who gives lavishly. This names again are found in the Sunnah of the Prophet in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad from Anas ibn Malik anhu, he said that prices went up in the time of the Prophet And they said, Ya Rasulullah, thou sa'art. Oh, Mr. Allah, in, perhaps you can fix the prices for us, you know. Things are going up, inflation is happening. Can't you maybe just control the prices? And he said, Inna Allah huwa al-khaliqu al-qabidu al-basitu al-raziqu al-musa'ir. Indeed, Allah, he is al-khaliq, the creator. Al-qabid, the one who withholds. Al-basit, the one who gives. Here's the two names. And he said, Ar-Raziq, he's the provider or the sustainer. And Al-Musa'ir, he is the one who fixes the prices. This is in the hands of Allah Azza wa Jal. وَإِنِّي لَأَرْجُوا أَنْ أَلْقَ اللَّهِ وَلَا يَطْلُبُنِي أَحَدٌ بِظُلْمَتِهَا إِيَّا فِي دَمٍ أَوْ وَلَا مَالٍ And he said that indeed I hope to meet Allah and nobody, such that nobody can lay a claim against me of any injustice regarding uh, dam and mal regarding blood or money. So that's the hadith in the Muslim of Ahmad and others. <coughs> and the hadith mentions Al Qabid Al Basit, the one who withholds and the one who the one who gives. Tayyib. Al Basit we said is the one who gives from his rizq to whomsoever he wants. 
and Al-Qabid is the one who withholds it and with, who restricts it from his slaves um, for whomsoever he wants. If Allah sees goodness to give, he gives. And if he feels he should not give, he does not give. As Allah says in Surah Al-Shura, verse 27, And if Allah spent upon, of rizq upon every slave, they would become tyrants in, the, in, in, this, in this world. ولكن, but, ينزل بقدر ما يشاء. Allah bestows to a mount that he wills. An amount that he wills. He decides who will get what and how much they will get. Because he knows ultimately, he knows best um, who it will be best, best for and who it will not be best for. So Al-Qabd means تضييق, to restrict the rizq. And Al-Bast means to increase and to give uh, of that rizq. So this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who gives and the one who also withholds. Al-Qabid, the withholder, and Al-Basitu, the, the one who spins. Wallahu yaqbidu wa yabsutu wa ilayhi turja'un. In Surah Baqarah, verse 245, Allah says, and Allah yaqbidu, withholds, wa yabsutu, and he spins, he gives, wa ilayhi turja'un, and unto him you will return. <coughs> يعني, this is in the hand of Allah. And in his hand alone. It does not this this ability to give and withhold does not belong to anyone else. But unto him you will return. And this is a, a great reminder for us that instead of worrying too much about how much we're getting and where we're gonna get and how much we, we're not gonna get, Ilahi turja'un. To to him is your return. So focus more on that. Focus and worry more about your return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the way you seek your wealth. How much the effect that wealth has upon you and so forth, it's more important that you worry about the boundaries of Allah, the rights of Allah, haram and halal and so forth. Wallahu musta'an. And there are so many ayat that mentions this, the, 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 this action of yabsutu rizq uh, in the Quran. Many, many <coughs> ayat mention this. Um, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. I think we'll end off by taking one more name. There's still 10 minutes for the hour. The name is Al-Mannan. The name is Al-Mannan, which is the benefactor. Al-Mannan, Mim, Noon, Alif, Noon. Mannan, the benefactor. This name is again found in a hadith wherein the Muslim Ahmad, again from Anas bin Malik, that he heard, a, that the Prophet heard a man making dua and he said, Allahumma inni as'aluka bi anna laka alhamd. Oh Allah, I ask you because unto you belongs, belongs all praise. La ilaha illa ant. There is none worthy of worship except you alone and you have no partner. Al-Mannan. You are Al-Mannan. Here's the name, here's the evidence. Al-Mannan, the benefactor. The originator of the heavens and the earth. Dhul Jalali wal Ikram, the owner of majesty and honor and greatness. And then the Prophet responded to this man. لَقَدْ سَأَلْتَ اللَّهِ بِاسْمِهِ الْأَعْظَمِ أَلَّذِي إِذَا دُعِيَ بِهِ أَجَابَ وَإِذَا سُئِلَ بِهِ أَعْطَاهِ You have asked Allah with His greatest name, by which if you, if you supplicate to Him, He will respond, and by which if you ask Him, He will give. We, we discussed these hadith way back when we discussed the greatest name of Allah issue, the same hadith came up over there. So Al-Mannan is the one who, who gives. He's the benefactor, He gives in abundance. Azimul Mawahib, He bestows greatly upon His slaves, and He shows them a great amount of goodness and ihsan and so forth. He is the one who spends on them and gives them from before they're asking him, from before they're born. Wallahu um, al-musta'an. This is al-manan. It's similar 
to the names Al-Wahhab and similar to the name Al-Kareem and similar to the name Al-Razaq, the one who bestows, the one who blesses, the one who uh, benefits Al-Bar. We spoke about the name Al-Bar as well um, and so forth. Um, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned his Minna. So man, Minna comes from Al-Mannan. His, his favors you know, of Al-Mannan, he's mentioned various examples of this in the Quran. He's mentioned the Minna of Hidayah. The minna, the great favor of guidance to the correct deen and the removal from a person out of shirk and kufr and so forth. One example, there are many examples. One example is in Surah Hujurat, verse number 17, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَمُنُّونَ عَلَيْكَ أَنْ أَسْلَمُوا The people, they <coughs> regard it as a favor over you that they have accepted Islam. Say to them, قُلْ لَا تَمُنُّوا عَلَيَّ إِسْلَامَكُمْ Your accepting of Islam is not a favor for me. بل, but rather, it's Allah's favor upon you and هداكم للإيمان that he has guided you to iman and faith in kuntum صادقين if you are truthful it's a favor from Allah that guidance is a minnah يَمُنُّ عَلَيْكُمْ that's the, the same word there يَمُنُّ عَلَيْهِ he's conferred his favor upon you by guiding you to uh, iman and so forth this is one example of Allah's minna in terms of guidance Another example of Allah's minna is لَقَدْ مَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ بَعَثَ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِنْهُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ مَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ مَنَّ Allah has conferred His favor upon the mu'mineen when He sent from amongst them a messenger from amongst their own people يَتْلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ who recited His ayat upon them وَيُزَكِّيهِمْ and He purified them وَيُعَلِّمْهُمُ الْكِتَ and before that they were in clear misguidance. It is a favor upon Allah, from Allah upon them that he sent the messenger. Another example mentioned in the Quran of Allah's minna is how he blessed the Anbiya and his believing uh, slaves. For example, And indeed we have blessed, conferred our favor upon Musa and Harun. And we saved them and their people from a great affliction. And we assisted them and they became of the victorious ones. And we gave them an explicit scripture. And we guided them to the straight path. This is part of Allah's minna upon Musa, Harun and their people. Another example, we take one more example of Allah's minna is entering into paradise. And saving us from Jahannam, saving the believers from Jahannam. May Allah make us of them. Allah says, قَالُوا إِنَّا كُنَّا قَبْلُ فِي, قبل في أَهْلِنَا مُشْفِقِينَ That the people will say when they enter Jannah, they will say, we <coughs> used to before, before this we used to be with our families fearful. فَمَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَيْنَا And then Allah conferred His favor upon us. وَوَقَانَا عَذَابَ السَّمُومِ And He saved us who protected us from a scorching fire. Indeed, we used to supplicate him before. Indeed, he is Al-Bar, also the Beneficent, and Al-Rahim, the Merciful. So whosoever knows this name of Allah, Al-Mannan, he should then praise Allah SWT appropriately. A person should turn to him and ask him for whatever he needs, whatever favors he needs. Uh, because it only comes from who? Al-Mannan, the one who bestows favors upon others. The benefactor, one who benefits others greatly. 
um, and so forth. So he should show his gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He should instill this humility within us and this tawheed that we turn to him alone seeking our favors. And that we become of the shakirin and not of the kafirin. We become of those who are grateful and not of those who are ungrateful. Because these are the favors of Allah. And indeed the favors of Allah, we cannot enumerate them. We cannot even count them. So we should become of those who are grateful for the favors of Allah upon us. Indeed, in word and in every other way. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will definitely increase us. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. May Allah grant us an understanding. May Allah grant us tawfiq to remain steadfast upon his path. May he grant us his love. May he grant us uh, many favors and make us of the shakirin and not of the kafirin. And grant us um, safety in this time of this pandemic. He protects us and for those who are sick that he is grants them complete shifa as he is a shafi. There is no shafi but him. Amin ya rabbal alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu ala ilaha ila anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.